Hello and welcome back to another episode of Faking Injuries. A very special episode in store today, Charlie. Celebrating our first year in the football media. And I think it's a good time to give out some awards from our first year. Mostly just looking back through the rearview mirror. Some of our favorite moments, favorite people, characters, clubs, owners across this beautiful game. And call out excellence and... The exact opposite of that, wherever we've seen it. Let's get into it. How are you doing, Charlie? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to this one. I feel like we deserve some type of award, maybe for like setting up the best SPAC-based podcast <laughs> in recent memory, but I'm, uh, I'm excited for this one. Like we said, a year, kind of crazy to think we've been doing it that long, but we need to dole out some awards. And if you have been listening to any of the 37 episodes we've done, you'll know these awards have their own little twist to them. And if we look to start with the first award here, I can think of no better starting place as the Americans ushering this sports popularity from Europe to its greatest colony in the USA. And that is the American of the Year Award. Charlie, I'll throw it to you. Is there anyone you would like to put up for nomination? Yeah, I think my mind instantly goes to... Jesse Marsh. I mean, to get two top jobs as a manager in Leipzig and Leeds, and to get sacked shortly after at both those places, pretty impressive track record. I'm not sure if we'll see another American hit the heights of management that Jesse has for a long time, but it's really hard to overlook that track record when any team hires an American nowadays. Sure, he got two jobs and got sacked quickly after, but at least this erases the poor taste of Bob Bradley and his miserable 85 days at Swansea, because that's been a black eye. And though Jesse didn't reach the heights of English football, he lifted the bar a little bit, and quite a handsome guy to represent this beautiful country. Very handsome guy, and it's also better to have some American associated with football than no Americans, whether it's good or bad, right? More Americans in the sport, more more Americans managing teams, that's a good thing. More Americans in the shit-take media around football. You're welcome. Yeah, more Americans conducting LBOs on clubs like more of anything with Americans is usually good from our perspective (laughs) Yeah, and will probably lead to a crash about 10 years later after all of the capital has been extracted but that's for another point um any other honorable mentions for American of the year before I go through at least one no but I want to hear what yours is sure mine is less of an American than a body part on an American because of course in this great year that we've had One of the highlights was the World Cup, U.S. slightly underwhelming, but still fun to follow. And though it wasn't the ultimate heights, beating Iran, making it to the round of 16, we can only thank one American and the future American offsprings from this American, and that is Christian Pulisic's Specifically, his sacrificing themselves and their future children for the USA, left it all on the line. We didn't know, you know, he's in the hospital. Was he going to make it? Would he be able to sire children in the future? Still unknowns. But I think if you ask Christian and his (laughs) they would do it again. A hundred times out of a hundred. I love it. I just want to clarify, you're not putting up Christian Pulisic for nomination because I would not vote for him. But you're putting up specifically his dick and balls. Confirmed. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So it's it's a tight race for the first award. I'll let you make the decision. 
<laughs> With the power invested in me, I'm gonna have to give this award to Christian Pulisic's Dick and Balls. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Wishing you all the best of luck in future tournaments. Maybe it's time to get out of London. Yeah, that's enough of that. This is like the the Oscars of tomorrow. This is like the Oscars when the speeches go on too long. <laughs> we gotta no, move no on. No one's flashing a light at me. <laughs> For our next award, I think we wanted to take it to owner of the year because we always like to look at the management, the top down of the club, who's running it. It's often some pretty interesting characters and usually ones pretty flush with cash, especially in Europe's big leagues. And usually ones with shady backgrounds if you double click enough. I think most billionaires have some shady shit going on. There's not like a super, super clean billionaire. We'll find them. We'll find them. But <laughs> it's probably not an American. Probably, probably not. But I had a few to put forward for this one. I think you had a couple ideas as well. The guy I just had to bring up, it's hard to look past Evangelos Maranakis. Physically and metaphorically. Very true. The owner of Nottingham Forest and Olympiacos. A big Greek fella, a Greek oligarch and shipping magnate. We did a whole deep dive on him in episode 26. So if you want to really dig into what's going on with his business and why are there allegedly shipments of heroin and cocaine being seized on his boats allegedly you can listen to episode 26 respectfully <laughs> he's the type of guy whose controversy section on wikipedia is longer than his background and career section and this just greek unit is a great source of comedy for us but also respect so i have to put him forward for owner of the year i like it definitely go check out episode 26 i think my biggest takeaway there was when we own a future European football club, got to be armed with local operators first and foremost. But of those local operators, at least 50% of that workforce is going to be security. But we call them heavies. We need a couple heavies. We need at least a baker's dozen of heavies if we're going to feel safe and try to deal with the scummy agents that we know are ripe in world football. But as for my candidates, I'm going to put forth one of my favorite, most mysterious men. I thought about putting him up. For American of the Year, but I wanted him to have a chance of winning an award. Alan Pace, chairman of Burnley and AOK Capital. Not sure if that is a larger investment vehicle or just a shell company used to purchase Burnley. Doesn't really matter. No one knows a ton about him, but he's underseen a massive regenerative rebuild in such a short time at Burnley. For us, he typifies what it's like with the American ego and wanting a piece of the Premier League, hoarding some of it for yourself. But Alan Pace entered the public limelight two years ago when he put in not a lot of money of equity into a huge LBO of Burnley of all clubs. Of course, suffered relegation in the first year. Is that right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah which when you put a bunch of debt on a club without a ton of fans or huge media deal, not great to get relegated right away. We thought he was done and dusted on his way to bankruptcy, but he's really used his time in the second division, brought in Vincent Company as manager, done a bunch of smart value-based recruitment in Belgium and elsewhere in Europe, and they're looking shoe-ins to come up. Excited to see such a new Burnley style in a short time. Will this translate next year in the Premier League? We don't know, but it's going to be fun to see Alan Pace and his veneers back in an owner's box in the Premier League soon. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't want to give him too much credit because I think Vincent Company is a pretty incredible coach. I mean, you can see how much Anderlecht have fallen off since he's left. And I really love the way they play. They have some incredible players. 
I think you can praise him for his hiring, specifically whatever recruitment staff he got in and hiring Vincent Company, but I think he's a pretty good candidate for this. Do we have anyone else? Yes, not as much single person, but it's hard to look past arguably the best ownership group conglomeration of owners, and that is the great people of the Saudi Public Investment Fund, the Saudi PIF. You'd be wrong if you thought Newcastle United was owned by MBS, because it's not. It's owned by all of the teachers and painters, the pensioners of Saudi Arabia, and they've really put their brains together, managed by Amanda Staveley, the operator on the ground, but no ownership group has done so much so quickly, and seeing where Newcastle is in the table on the verge of making European competition, like the Phoenix, they've burned to ashes, rebuilt themselves quickly, and it's fun to watch Newcastle now, which is weird, and we couldn't say that for all of our footballing life until the Saudi Public Investment Fund got their hands on the club. And they're probably going to finish in a European spot, unlikely to be Champions League, but I could definitely see them finishing in Europa. It's going to be weird seeing those kids in Europe. <laughs> it is. But yeah, like you said, don't click into the public investment funds board or like what's going on behind the scenes. Is this the best public investment fund around? I think so. I imagine a Scandinavian country has a good investment fund, but they're probably too shrewd and don't need to launder a dirty history and needing to get into football. Right, right. It's a little more clean. <laughs> yeah. They're probably investing in like solar energy across the world right now. Yeah, big on renewables and carbon credits. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to make the decision on this one if that's okay with you, Noah. I feel like I have to pick the best PIF around the Saudi <laughs> Public Investment Fund as the best owners of the year. I like it. I think Alan Pace would really feel hard done by, but... He's had enough accolades this year, so congratulations to the Saudi Public Investment Fund, as well as Amanda Stavely, because I didn't realize she was actually an equity owner of, I think, around 10 or 15%, so congrats there. They've really given us more content than anyone else on this list. Exactly, and for that, we're going to repay them with the inaugural Faking Injuries Owner of the Year Award, so congratulations, you Geordie bastards. Let's move it next to possibly our strongest domain. For those who don't know, we are cogs at the bottom, though rising in the American financial system. And so it's hard for us as we get our bearings in the football ecosystem, not to think of white spaces where we could pop up and make a buck or two with some business ideas. So this next award is our best business idea of the year. I feel like this is going to be one of the most contentious awards that we give out today. There's a lot of nominees and a <laughs> lot of good ones. I mean, we went through our last year's catalog. Like capitalists, right? We always come up with ideas to help out these footballers, the agents, whatever's going on in the world. We want to be a part of it and we want to get some money and some profit in it. There's a lot of things here that could take home the gold, which will be shipped off to everyone. Uh, we'll do, we're doing Royal Mail, though, so expect it to come in like two months. Uh, there's a lot of strikes going on. Is that coming by sea? <laughs> yeah, by sea. I feel like we just got to take it to the nominee list. The first one, the Baby Mamas in Football Consultancy Firm. This was a recent idea of ours, you know, with Premier League players. They got to manage five to 15 baby mamas, depending on where they're at what club they play for, 
what's their weekly salary. Their so, sexual proclivity. Their sexual proclivity. I mean, if you're Kyle Walker, you might be managing 25 plus baby mamas. So <laughs> you need to bring in a consultant, you know, a 20 something who's really excited to manage your baby mamas. You got separate phones. You've got Excel spreadsheets tracking which days is this baby mama coming? What do we need to buy her for Christmas, her for her birthday, her for Valentine's Day? We got to go to Nobu and then we got to quickly pivot over to this cocktail bar. There's a lot to manage. We don't want the players to be stressed out. We want them to be focused on football. I see some value here. If we get a little tech investment, we can get some systems around this. And I think our long-term vision is more of a database. I think we pitch it, we just use the words AI somewhere in here and that we have like a programmer we're paying half a million a year to do this for <laughs> us because that I think will instantly give us at least a bill in seed capital. Yeah, no, that's a unicorn right there. Let's keep it moving. Um, in our World Cup preview episode as well as our concurrent coverage during the tournament, we were like much of the world enamored with the Moroccan squad, but we had probably a different view than a lot of the commentators. And that was, um, Charlie, how would you summarize this one best? Are you going to make me do it? I'm going to make you do it. So our idea was to fly the entire Morocco squad to Brazil in the middle of the World Cup (laughs) to get BBLs in the hopes of boosting team chemistry, right? And reducing the jealousy around Sofian Armabat and his dump truck because we heard that was causing a lot of issues in the camp. You know, people seeing that thing just rolling around on the field. It's it's tough to focus on the game. So we thought, good team building. Let's fly them all to Brazil. Quick in and out, Rio for one night. I think that might have been one variation. We also thought of using the carrot to motivate these players is if they won the World Cup or made it far enough, that was what they were playing for, in addition to national pride. So if they were to make it far in the tournament, it only felt fair that they be rewarded, though artificially, with the asses of their talisman, Sofian Amrabat. Net gains has me inspired a little bit. I think we should create a statistic around, you know, expected dump truck value added. (laughs) I like it. Next on our list, though less of a pure business idea and more of a diplomatic role. It's been at the top of our list to become the official American ambassadors to Slavia Prague. They haven't returned our emails yet, but we haven't been deterred. Maybe we need to just get the Czech Duolingo or otherwise like meet the head of the Supporters Trust, but I think in 2023, we're going to look back on the progress we made on this front. Yeah, and if we make no progress in the next year... You know, there's a team on the other side of town. Oh, <laughs> just as many Ladislavs in the Sparta Prague Academy as Slavia. not more Ladislavs, <laughs> and we want a portfolio of Ladislavs at the end of the day. We do. The next great business idea of the year is our proprietary investment-grade betting portfolio. To date, probably returned about negative 500% in IRR terms. Yeah, I think, you know, like a startup, we've just been promising growth uh, more than anything. Our negative 500% profit for the year, we're going to ignore that. We're a growth mindset portfolio, and we're going to make some better bets this year. Trades, excuse me. We have some futures we're excited about that can still hit and bring this portfolio back to profit. I think this was a really great business that we launched. You know, this portfolio we've been giving you guys access to for the last year, and we'll continue to do so. Yeah, listen, it's 
a great product we've brought out to the market. <laughs> uh, cash burn's been a little higher than expected, but look at Amazon. So <laughs> <laughs> next one, inspired by Daniel Gee, our favorite football lawyer, his book, Done Deal, which gives a high-level background on contract clauses. One of our favorite parts was the specific idiosyncratic contract clauses that were put into different players' contracts or different clubs' contracts. We put our minds together and probably came up with a foolproof contract clause for German players. Yeah, so we discussed the book for about five minutes and then instantly jumped into our theoretical clauses if we owned a club that we would implement. And one for Germany was the beer, cheese, and pilsner quota that you just have to have for every player in a Bavarian club. You also need to put a cap on the amount of time spent at a beer garden. The less time they're housing brats and beer cheese at the Hofbräuhaus, the better. So I think for all German players, this is a must. Yes, though the beer and cheese lobby, which I'm sure wields a lot of regulatory weight in that country, they might have something else to say, but our lawyers, Daniel Gee, he'll be one of them in the future. He's going to negotiate hard for us. Another player-specific contract clause we think is pretty good and would help keep the game on its path of dignity. The Neil Mope clause, which is similar to the Luis Suarez no-biting clause, this one prevents future assault on <laughs> the backside of Eric Peters and any other Premier League players when they're in 50-50s. Yeah, I mean, if you have a Neil Mope on your team, you need to protect yourself. So, yeah, you have to have this type of clause. So, that was our six nominees. I feel like, do you have any others? I feel like it's a pretty solid list. I mean... That's star-studded. Yeah, nothing for me to add. I feel like a mom with all my children right now here before me, so please don't make me choose. You're kind of like the daddy of this podcast, and dads always have favorites, let's be honest. So who are you going to choose for our best business idea of the year? You know, I love the beer, cheese, and Pilsner quota. I love our Baby Obama's consultancy firm, but I don't think I've laughed harder than I laughed when we did our World Cup episode and talked about flying the Morocco squad to Brazil <laughs> to get BBLs, so... That has to be our best business idea of the year. I can't argue with that one. I probably was leaning there, but didn't want to articulate it for myself. Congratulations to the Moroccan squad. This might be the most important award we'll give out today. So don't take this one lightly. Next up, we're going to give out some roses for our best gambler of the year. Two candidates for this one. Uh, first up, it's us. And second up, it's Ivan Tony. So Ivan Tony, he's been in the news lately for committing what's considered a no-no in world football, and that is betting on matches. News has broken the last few weeks that Ivan Tony threw caution to the wind on that front for four to five years, allegedly, respectfully. Started when he was at Newcastle, but he didn't stop for a long time. I think maybe Thomas Frank got in his ear and was like, hey, chap, we can't be doing that here at Brentford. Still, four or so years of placing consistent bets. I'm impressed with the dedication on this front. I once went two weeks in this football season not gambling because I was too lazy to reset my password. This guy is professionally bound not to gamble, but couldn't help himself. Yeah, I wonder if he's using like crazy crypto bookie accounts to do it, but it's not one charge or a handful of charges. It's like hundreds and hundreds of bets he's placed so each one is like an individual charge because you're not supposed to place any bets 
I respect the craft, and I feel like we can't put ourselves forward for this award when he is just so consistent, never missing a week like we sometimes do. <laughs> I feel like Ivan Tony is the best gambler of the year. All right. Congratulations, Ivan. I think this will be a good consolation whenever that perhaps lengthy Premier League ban comes down. But at least you'll have this as solace. <laughs> Let's take it next quickly to the most overworked department in football award. Um, I've got two candidates, one bullet point for each. Toss up here for me, Barcelona. A lot of departments there. A lot of overworking, despite all the siestas being taken there in the Catalan. If they had to put forth one nominee at that club, I think it's a toss-up between their compliance department and their public relations team. Been a tough year. Scandal after scandal after scandals coming out on their accounting front, on people they're making weird payments to, to perhaps allegedly, respectfully, and satirically influence the game. We haven't cast any aspersions, of course, on Barcelona, but others have, and these two departments have done a lot. They're the white blood cells of Barcelona's economic activity, and they've been fucking overworked this year. Yeah, I mean, with both of us working in finance, I think we know how horrible it can be to have to reconcile things and deal with bad data. Not only are they dealing with bad data, they're dealing with like data that is always going to be bad because it's illegal and shady shit's happening behind the scenes, but they somehow have to make that look normal in the books and reconcile everything yeah how do you do audited financials when we're making millions and millions of payments to social media companies disparaging select players that we choose and shell companies of former vps of the refereeing association it's hard to figure out how to provide nice gentle color around that yeah and when you're doing accounting or internal audit you're always trying to tie back to the numbers the numbers should go to zero right they should all tie to the same number that doesn't happen with Barcelona's book, so I think they might be the most overworked department in the world, let alone in football. Wow. Effusive praise for them. The other candidate, the David to Barcelona's compliance Goliath, I want to give a shout out to Nottingham Forest translators as well as the documentary crew. I've been on this scent for a long time. You don't bring in over 25 new players in a campaign and not just hire for one one-thousandth of that price. Three nerds with cameras and an interviewing crew just to see how this unfolds. This is Jersey Shore in world football. We're excited for the announcement of the documentary coming out. But as well, when you're bringing players from all the ends of the earth, they must speak double-digit languages in that locker room. Yeah, I don't think it's just one, two. I think they need a handful of translators in the locker room constantly communicating back and forth. It's a multicultural team, and I think, what, 25 of them are new to the club? So it's a lot to deal with as a translator. They're completely overworked as well. For me personally, it's hard to not give this to Barcelona's compliance department, but I'm willing to let you have the uh, final say. As much as I'd love to commend the work of Nottingham Forest's back office team, I wouldn't be able to sleep well tonight if this award wasn't on its way via steamboat to Barcelona tonight. It might be there in a few months. That's okay. There will be more scandals by then. It's only right that they get this award. The modern day steel workers of Andrew Carnegie's steel yards. <laughs> Congratulations. Couldn't agree more. And I feel like that might be a wrap on our award show. We gave out five awards we're pretty happy with the winners and, you know, congrats to all the nominees for even being in the conversation. 
And congrats to us for a year of the podcast. It's been super fun. We're excited to kick on, as they say, and keep this thing going. Another way to say it in the footballing game is we go again. You know, we lose a match, we win a match. Doesn't fucking matter. There's always the next match, and we go again. So fun to look back on a good 2022, and I'm excited to see what nominees rise up in the next year for the 2023 awards. And to all the listeners, thanks for tuning in. We love you. Follow us on Twitter at Faking Injuries. Love you guys. Bye. Ciao.